Hello everyone. As I've mentioned previously, Adam Fitzgerald and I have concluded our Roads to 9-11 series on this channel, and Adam has started a new channel dedicated solely to 9-11 studies, where I'm assisting him in going into the depth of things. I will occasionally post abridged versions of our shows there, here. I'll do this when they're of a more general interest or philosophical nature. What follows is a clip from our inaugural episode where Adam asks me how I became interested in 9-11 myself. I talk about my loss of faith in the establishment, interest in imperialism, 9-11 and conspiracy theory, and how studying philosophy helped me navigate these choppy waters. Oh, and I also mentioned Hulk Hogan. Welcome to the darkened hour. I'd actually just left school like in the June, I think, okay? And um, so that was, that was pivotal because in, in the last sort of year or so of my school career, my faith in the establishment had been deteriorating. So, so growing up, I always believed that the world worked in a good and functional way and politicians were there for you know, the betterment of humanity and um, the, the information you were handed in your classes was true and so on and so on. I never had like a, a cynical attitude to things. And that just became really tarnished uh, around when I was like hitting 17, 18. Um, things just kind of like fell apart for me and the world was making less and less sense. It, my belief in the educational system uh, was affected by like teachers who seemingly didn't have any interest in their subjects. And that was quite shocking to me, you know. And... Um, Politically, um, the election of George W. Bush had quite an impact, right? Because um, it just seemed so strange to me that in a nation of 300 million people, I was like, gee, what are the chances that the job would go to the son of the guy who did it once one time before? You know, that, that seems like, like astronomically improbable if we're talking about a democracy where everyone gets together and selects the best man for the job, right? And, and maybe, okay, maybe it's like sometimes you have professional athletes and their children are really talented athletes, you know? So maybe the Bushes are just like this really politically superior family. And then he saw George and oh no, right? It's like, you, you can't maintain a sense uh, that the world makes sense when George W. Bush is held up as the leader of the free world. It, it's, it doesn't make sense, right? So, um, I was having this real conflict of um, losing faith in the establishment to provide truth. Okay, and, and um, I remember one, one pivotal thing was sitting in a history class and realizing that all the information I had on the world came from these books that the teacher would hand out. And I didn't know any deeper than that. I was like, well, these things could be made up, right? And I'm sure they're not, but I wouldn't know. And it troubled me that if someone had said to me, like, how do you know that stuff isn't made up? I, would, I wouldn't have an answer for that, right? And Upon, upon leaving school, um, I was in a bookstore and I saw a book um, called The Biggest Secret by David Icke, okay, and it just grabbed me because it had all the faces of world leaders on the front and I thought, wow, what is The Biggest Secret? And it's a, this real classic conspiracy book, I suppose, of like where reading the, the, back, of the, um, the back of it, um, Mr. Ike presents this entirely different view of the world, okay? 
And a part of me is like looking over my shoulder to check no sort of secret agents are looking at me reading this, right? I'm not going to be carted off. Um, and another part of me is thinking like, well, I don't, you know, obviously I don't believe this, but uh, I wonder if it's even possible to construct an alternative theory of history. You know, like, can you do that? And does it hold up or does it fall flat? So I, I bought I bought the book and um, a lot of it was like, so I'm just to say a lot of it was far out would not be going anywhere near far enough. It's, his, it's the book where he broke the, the whole idea of shape-shifting reptilians to the world. Okay. But other parts of it I found very insightful. I found his, his commentary on a lot of societal structures like, Hey, yeah, that, that speaks to what I'm experiencing. So um, I felt a certain confusion over that. And then, um, you know, really at the time I had pretty much just finished reading it, the planes went into the towers and I remember I was on a, a works course that day. And for us, it was, um, it was the middle of the afternoon when we saw it. Okay. Um, and it was surreal, like, because we saw it on a kind of coffee break and then nobody knew how to react. So we just went back into the, the room and continued learning about word processes, which seemed like a stupid thing to do. Because and I just remember this overwhelming sense of like, the world has changed, right? On some fundamental level, it's never going to be the same again, right? We're living in a, a new world now. And also a sense of like, I don't know what this event is, right? Like, is it the event that the TV was then telling me it was over the next few days with um, Islamic terrorists? Or is it the event that I'm finding out about on the internet in this strange new world of conspiracy? And that was the, the rabbit hole I jumped down. Probably for a couple of years, right? But I have to say it didn't really get very far. Um, because it was overwhelming for me. I, I say I would say I lacked the intellectual tools to take on a question that big. And this was like in the the 2001 internet where you just get articles. And you know, um, I, I'd spend like maybe 20 minutes reading an article and then realize what I was reading was crazy or something, you know. And like so, I just I was completely out of my depth, right? So I I, I spent some time in that and then and then took a step back. And um, it was really about. 2009 10 time that just as you know a series of strange coincidences of people were coming up and asking me like, oh you used to be into that 9-11 what do you think about that in the end you know were, were the towers bombed or was it all in the side or was it not and i just yeah you know i really i really don't know of any of that stuff i i i did think it was and i didn't and, and so on and and i felt pulled back into it um i had a strange encounter with a woman in a bar who told me she'd been part of the mk ultra program i have no idea to this day whether she was or not and um, but that events like that kept occurring and, and I found myself shifting back in into what was this very um probably at the same place really. although I'd, I'd done a course in philosophy at the time I, I knew how to construct thoughts much more clearly um but I, so I jumped in into the the world of YouTube now and documentaries and so on and after about a year of that I felt like I just floundered around again I hadn't really gone anywhere and that's um what I what I, I stopped looking at the day itself Okay, and I hadn't been doing this like super intensely, but I stopped looking at the day itself um, and thought, okay, whatever's true about the day, it's got to arise out of an historical context, okay? It, it can't be that everything in history is the way we're led to believe and then Dick Cheney decided to blow up the Twin Towers. That doesn't make any sense, right? If there's anything in these claims, um, this is something that must have been going on for a long time. And I started to read the history of US foreign policy. And the one that really got me going was um, Operation Ajax, the... Um, the CIA's coup in Iran in 1953. Um, and 
I actually, I heard about that on an Alex Jones documentary and went to check if it was true. And it's, to me, it was jaw dropping. I mean, it might sound very mundane to people, okay, in the audience, uh, because everyone knows this kind of thing happens. But um, to be confronted with, like, there's no doubt about that. It's not a theory. It's not some conspiracy. Absolutely, the CIA overthrew the secular government of Mohammed Mossadegh in 1953 and put a a monarch and a dictator in charge of Iran, which eventually led to the descent into the Islamist state it is today. Um, that 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 happened, right? And it, it conflicted again with my my childhood. I'd always like through childhood in the 1980s, Iran. Um, my contact with it was through like the Iron Sheik, the wrestler, who would always have some dastardly trick to defeat the good American wrestler, Hulk Hogan, right? And I didn't understand that geopolitics was playing out there. And this was all as a, as a result of the, um, the embassy hostage crisis and so on. But um, I, I just was overwhelmed by the hypocrisy of the way Iran was presented in the Western media then. And then to find that this is a common pattern. You can go back to like incidents like the Maine and the invasion of Cuba and the Philippines and, and forward through Guatemala and the, the Congo and on and on. Um, but, the, the 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 America is not the the leading nation of the free world it's presented as it's really an imperial power so this is a complete revision of my view of the world which in some ways is much greater than saying is a particular event an inside job or not right it's not the specific but it's the general context in which we're looking at the world changes and um, then I suppose. You know, what, what, what I noticed throughout this was that continuously you have um, imperial agendas which have no way of being carried out due to popular resistance, either foreign wars or domestic oppression, and then an incident happens and the media instantly has a narrative presented for that incident which allows the war to take place, okay? So whether it's um, the war with Spain that came about after the, the destruction of the, um, the USS Maine, or whether it's... Um, in some ways, the Lusitania contributed uh, to shifting American opinion on the, on the First World War, uh, Pearl Harbor, the Gulf of Tonkin incident, and so on and so on. And without going as far as saying, like, these were all inside jobs, because the Lusitania wasn't, it's a more complex story. Um, I, I don't feel it was anyway. Uh, the main, who knows, um, but right up to 9-11. Um, it, it's always this very coincidental juxtaposition of these events, right, that either they're being capitalized on or they're being set up or whatever. And that was my interest in, in false flag terror and how it, um, uh, but not even to restrict it to false flag, how, how terror in general is the lifeblood of the state. It allows the expansionist imperial policies to take place and how human beings are goaded into violent actions. They wouldn't commit otherwise through this. And that, um, you know, kind of brings me up to cut a long story short to my eventual meeting with you, Adam. And um, that for me facilitated the, um, the ability to go into these areas in much more depth and come to a greater understanding. And I'm really pleased to be embarking on this podcast to try and, I suppose, make sense of the world and make sense of the violence humans perpetrate. Because I think even from being a little kid, that's seemed like a ridiculous element of the world to me. There's something ridiculous about the, the nature of, um, of violence. And the, it seems to be like very unnecessary. Like I don't, I don't see the necessity of why Iraq is in tatters now. You know, that doesn't seem like that was an inevitable portion of human history. And that if it wasn't for this 
issue we have with violence, the world would be in a much better state. And with you know, the, the populace at large might be the addict of violence, but the state is the, the dealer, the pusher, if you like. So it's, it's my interest is in, you know, understanding that, I suppose, really. Thanks for listening, everyone. The full episode is on the Dark and Dower channel, details of which are in the info box.